You guys did it. You did it. You're at church this morning. With Against all odds, you are in this building. Against daylight savings. Against the worst snowstorm of this month. And PJ not being here, you guys made it to church. Woo! Give it up for you guys, right? I am honored to be leading you guys today. So we are jumping into the week two of our master class series. Pastor Jim kicked it off last week, and we're going to keep the party going. So master class is an opportunity given to students of particular discipline by an expert of that discipline, usually music, science, painting, drama, or any other occasion where skills are wanting to be developed. Everybody remember that from last week? There we go. We got one. So here's the thing. So when, like when, I'm I'm always going to be real with you guys, right? You know, so when this sermon series got introduced, Pastor Jim's like, hey, we're doing a sermon series called Masterclass. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like Masterclass? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, it's one of those things that you think you know what it is, and then you have to learn actually what it is. How many, anybody? Yeah, okay. So I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, that sounds right, that sounds right. Like, I should know what master class is. Well, I Googled it this week, and I was like, whoa, I was way off. So I had a very, very limited knowledge of master class, but I've heard the phrase before. So I did some Googling. You're welcome. So here's what I found in my Google search. Some of the classes that are offered for master class. So Coach K, everybody know the famous basketball coach, Coach K, he teaches value-driven leadership. Makes sense, right? See, Coach K served as the head coach at Duke University from 1980 to 2022, that's 42 years, I did the math myself. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. During that time, he led the Blue Devils to five national titles, 13 Final Fours, 15 ACC tournament championships, and 13 ACC regular season titles. Probably knows what he's doing, right? When it comes to leadership, there's a reason he's teaching the master class, right? Right. So, there was a singer by the name of Christina Aguilera. Some of of the younger kids might not know who that is, but some of us older folk do. So, at one point in time, she was known as a voice of a generation. Makes sense to why she would teach a master class on singing. Last but not least, my favorite of all time was Bill Nye, Come on, guess what he's teaching? Science. So, obviously, Bill Nye is going to teach science. His name, his full name given at birth, his name at birth. Nye, the science guy, and you can't tell me differently, okay? That was his name at birth. See where I'm getting? He's a master in his field. He's the science guy. But... So this gets introduced, hey, we're doing a master class. Oh, yeah, I got it, I got it. So I'm looking, I'm Googling, I'm searching, I'm reading up on master classes. And when I think of master class, with all of this that we just talked about, Coach K, Christina Aguilera, Bill Nye, 
right? I have to ask myself, Bailey, what are you good at, right? Because that's kind of what it is. It's like these people are really good at what they do. So what am I good at? <laughs> I, I believe that I am good at two things. I am really good at being funny. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm good at lifting things. Now, now, here's the thing. What you're probably thinking in your mind is we're talking about the gym. Absolutely not. I'm talking about if you need something heavy moved, chances are good my phone is ringing. If we're being honest, if you look to somebody in the pew next to you, left, right, behind you, in front of you, chances are really good I have moved something heavy for them. Right, David? Yes. So I'm good at lifting heavy things. It's not something that, like, it's just there's a fridge. We're going to move the fridge. Like, that's it. I'm not like, oh, yeah, like I can bench 315. Not even close. But those are the two things I'm good at, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I realize now that next time you need something moved, I'm definitely getting the call because I announced it from the stage that I'm willing to do it. I also have a truck. That's the, that's the best of both worlds, too, so that's a double whammy. Um, but obviously those two things are not what I'm going to talk about today. Although, that would be a pretty great Sunday, right? Being funny and lifting things. <laughs> but it'd be fun. So, that's what I think confidently that I am a master at, is being funny and lifting things. But I had to switch my perspective, and I had to ask a different question. See, the question I had to ask is, what are they passionate about? What am I passionate about? Because that's truly what Masterclass is. It started out as a passion. And from a passion became a master, right? So I have to ask myself, what am I passionate about? Well, that's an easy one. It's very simple. I am passionate about people. Makes sense, right? I'm in the pastoring business. It's not even really a business, but I'm in the pastoring deal. I have a calling on my life. Obviously, it's a people-oriented calling. So it would just make sense that God has put passion for people. And what I was gonna, how I was going to start this, I was going to say, I'm passionate about you, but I didn't want to get like, I didn't want it to be weird. So I'm passionate about people, but to break it down even further, I am passionate about you. And what I'm talking about is I want you to see the you in value. And that is what we're going to lead in, and this is our master class, is the you in value. See, value is defined as the regard that something is held to deserve the importance of worth or usefulness of something. I want you to know that you matter, that you are important, and that you have just a gifting and a worth today. That is my job. And if you don't feel that way by the end of today, stay a little longer because we're going to work on it. But no, I want to encourage you today that you have value. Much higher than you can possibly know. 
What your value, you think your value is, what God sees as your value, it's 10 times more. And that's what we're going to talk about. So it can be hard for us to see value sometimes, right? Right? Thanks, Ron. Um, See, it's hard sometimes because life happens. Life happens. Things happen in our lives that we deem to lessen our value. We decide or the society decides, the world decides that when these things happen, our value goes down. We might call ourselves damaged goods. Has anybody ever heard that term before, damaged goods? All right. I have this lovely box of cereal right here. So for all of you that know, some of you might not know, for probably about four or five years before I started working full-time at the church, I worked at the Second Harvest Food Bank. And part of my job at the food bank was to go through donations with volunteers. So basically, people would donate food. They would come to the food bank. I would lead volunteers in a project, and we would sort through the donations. I've talked about this before. I talked about where pig food came from, and that's, anybody remember that? Some people, Tori does, because she worked with me. Um, But, so I've definitely brought it up before, but this is a different scenario. So we get donations in, and our job as volunteers at the food bank is to go through the checklist. We have to make sure that things are good for people, that people can eat them, right? So to kind of further along this definition of damaged goods, sometimes donations come in in these big totes, you know, and it's just everything. It's clean out your cupboard. So you get the cans, you get the mac and cheese, you get the cereals. And cereal sometimes comes in like this. Would anybody buy this from the store? Not unless you got that discount, right? It's okay, you can laugh. Um, so, I would only buy this if I was like, dude, knock down 50 cents and it's going home with me. This is going home with me because I paid $6 for it, but try to find cereal on the way to church. It's really hard. Um, anyways, so, cereal comes in like this. We wouldn't buy it. Why? Because it's damaged. Why would I want something that's damaged? Right? Why would I want something that's beaten and tattered? Chances are good this, will, this would end up in a food bank. And it would be with my volunteers. And we'd be looking in the project and they would say, Bailey, what do you think about this box of cereal? Should I give it to somebody? Tori, you worked at the food bank. What's the, what's the answer? Is the inside packaging intact? Yes. So that is the one thing that we require for it to go to somebody. How is the inside? Is it still one piece? Is it still together? Who cares what the outside looks like? Because the inside still has a purpose. How many are following me today? Right? I'm not even going to try to put this back in there. So, 
See, here's the thing. We apply it to our lives, and as people, we might be damaged on the outside. But as long as the insides are still good, you have a purpose. See, that box, nobody at first glance is like, I want this. But you get to a person that knows the value on the inside, and we can instill purpose in it. So, even though that's damaged, it's valuable to someone. Amen. So, Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this death, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. We are all damaged. We are all imperfect. Can everybody agree with that today? Yeah. So, it sounds so intense when we talk about it, talking about damage, right? That's like, ugh. But when we talk about it and we ask what is the definition of damaged goods, it is, hold on, let me find it in my notes. I just got lost. Oh, here we go. I'm on a roll, and then I went back to my notes. I'm like, wait a minute. All right. So, basically, the definition of damaged goods is something that is inadequate or impaired. So, is there things in our life that are, we are inadequate in or impaired in? Romans 5.12 says... Yes, right? Because we are imperfect people. And so this is something that I really want to hit home today, that we have value even though we're damaged because we're all damaged. That's why we should talk about it, right? So it could be emotional. It could be spiritual. It could even be physical damages in our lives, Things that we might still be dealing with, the negative effects, and can't move forward. We want to talk about those today. Is that okay? Cool. So, these things could have happened over time. Could have happened years ago. But we still haven't dealt with them. And they're limiting our relationship with God. They're, they're limiting God's will in our lives. And they could be taking away our value. The damaged areas in our lives could be limiting us. So let's get into scripture. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. It says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. I always pick, like, every time I have scripture, there's always, like, a hard name in there. Mephibosheth. See, let's break it down. Second Samuel 4.4, 4, Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul was king and Jonathan was his heir. When news had gotten back 
to the kingdom that they had both died in battle. Part of that regime, part of that kingdom, got all their stuff and ran out of the castle. Because in that time, in that era, basically it was said that the next group to take over, come to power, would come in and kill everybody in the kingdom that wasn't a part of it. So in that hurry, in that fleeing, the nurse, the nanny, grabbed Mephibosheth at five years old and was trying to make a run for it. And she dropped him and he became, see, to which he became lame in his feet, as the Bible says. See, sometimes damage is out of our control. Our damaged areas might not be our fault, but they can still be limiting or lessening our value. Or it could be the exact opposite. It could just be, hey, I made bad decisions early on in life, and I'm still dealing with it. That there are damaged things from my past that I can't seem to get over. Regardless of which side you're on, God has a way to take a crippled situation and damage places and turn them for glory. We're going to pick back up. We're in 2 Samuel 9. See, David is now king. David has come to power. David asks, is there anyone still left of the house of the house of Saul, to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Maker, son of Emil in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Maker, or Maker, house of Maker, son of Emil. Wow. So, can we just pause for a second? Let's talk about where Mephibosheth was hiding. David asked the servant, he said, Ziba, where is this heir? Where is the son of Jonathan? He's in Lodabar. It's a cool name. See, Ziba was hiding in a place called Lodabar. What does that mean? Lodabar translates to no pasture or no growth. A town in nowhere a place of nothing. That is where Mephibosheth was hiding, in a place called nothing. A damaged Mephibosheth hiding in a place of nothing. He just sat in a place of nothing where his damage was the only thing that he was with. Sound familiar? See, when it comes to our damaged areas, when it comes to things 
that we don't want to deal with, when things that have hurt us in the past, when it comes to areas that we don't want to touch, we sit in a place called Lodabar, a place of no growth. We find ourselves trapped there, stuck there. We can't move forward. We just hang on to our damage and let it paralyze us to the point where we're stuck. We let our damage define our value. So we pick up with my boy Fibs here. And imagine what is going through Mephibosheth's head when he gets a knock on the door. Hey, uh, King wants to see you. He's probably in his head thinking, why is the king's men here? I thought... I had gotten away from it. I thought I was good in Lodabar. Surely this king wants to come and finish what he started and take me out. Well, let's find out. Verse 6. When Mephibosheth, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. This is why I love scripture. Scripture is the greatest thing ever. Amen? You want to know why I love it so much? Because everyone so far in these passages have talked about Mephibosheth's damage before his name. But when the king calls. He calls him by name and not by damage. When he comes to the presence of the king, the king doesn't say, the man that is lame in both feet, the man that is paralyzed. He says, Mephibosheth, my son, is home. The king points to your value, not your damage. People will try to label us by our damage. That could be our identity from time to time. That could be what is just encompassing in our mind. But the king wants to call you by your name. So we pick back up in scripture. He says, Mephibosheth, at your service, Mephibosheth says. He says, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you, I will restore to all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed to him and said, what is your servant that, shouldn't, that should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba and 15, had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, 
your, your servant will do whatever my Lord, the king, commands his servants to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. We picking up on this? We're going to bring it home. So Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And Mika, Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Regardless of what our damage is, God wants to restore our value. Because there is value in you. Don't get me wrong. There are still damaged areas, right? There's still, Mephibosheth was still paralyzed. But the king restored him to where he was. Mephibosheth went from a place of authority to a place of nothing. And it took a king to restore him to back to where he was. See, when we look at it for us, when we apply it to our own lives, we have to realize that we have value. That we have value, and the place that we are is we are with God as God's children. That even when we get damaged, even when life happens, even when we mess up, even when we're not perfect, Christ wants nothing more than to restore you back to his place as his children, as his child, to give you back your value. If you can't tell by now, I'm very, very passionate about this because I want you to know that you have value. I want you to know that God can use you. I want you to know that you have a purpose on this planet. That you are here for a reason. You're in this building for a reason. And as long as I'm alive, as long as there's breath in my lungs, the thing that I want to tell people is that you matter and God loves you and has value in you. See, I'm passionate about this because it's so much of my testimony. And I'm, I'm going to be real with you guys. Can I be real with you guys? Sure. I always like when people are like, I'm like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really honest. And the one guy was like, no, I want you to lie to me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Obviously, right? I'm going to be real with you guys. But when preparing for this sermon, I've had, a, I've had a really tough time. Because I have, I, I'm, gonna, whew, I'm getting choked up here. Every time I come to preach, God has given me a testimony, and I've always wanted to share it, but I always just get kind of, I get pushed back a little bit. I'm like, maybe not this time. Maybe not this time. I don't want to cry in church. But I always hit a crossroad when I prep my sermons because I want to declare it, right? And then every time so far, it's just been like, no, no not today. 
It doesn't really tie in. It doesn't really, it doesn't really fit. You're over your time limit already, which we're doing great on time, by the way. But I know today, I've been struggling with this all week. I just keep coming back to it, and I'm like, am I going to do this? No, I might pull it the last second. But I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys today. I'm doing it. Where I didn't see value. I didn't know value. I was 16 or 17 at the time. My stepdad had just passed away, and it was really hard on my family. And it was especially hard on my mom. See, my stepdad was the man that held the glue together. And without that glue, everything just came apart. My mom started drinking. My mom just sat in her room, drank, cried. And then one day, she attempted to take her own life. And by the time I got home, she was already admitted into a hospital in a psychiatric ward. Hug me afterwards. Yeah, sure. And by the time I got home, there was an unfinished suicide note on my bed. And it said, I remember it to this day. It said, And you have fair that your sister lost one of her parents, and you have both of yours. It's not fair. So it's about time that I even the score. It's about time that you understand what it feels like. It's about time I even the score. From that day, for years, I'm not going to, for years, my value was gone. For years, I couldn't tell you what my value was. I didn't know why I was on this earth. I didn't know what my purpose was. I thought that all I had, I was only good to people if I was able to provide that if I was able to lift heavy things or I was able to tell a joke, I thought that that was my only value, right? And in these moments, I dealt with that. I was in Lodabar, sitting there in a place of nothingness, of no growth. All I thought to myself was no one loves you. No one cares about you. Your mom doesn't even want you. So you might as well just sit here. Sit here in this place of nothing. But one day I came to a place, 3902 West 38th Street, 10 years ago. 
And when I walked into this building, the first thing I met, I met a group of people and they say, hey, we love you. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know I'm damaged. We don't care. We love you. And to this day, I know that I have a family in this building. I know that I am loved because God worked on me. God worked on me. I walk into this building and immediately the restoration plan begins. And see, here's the thing. When I say my testimony, I never want to be like, oh, poor Bailey. Oh, we should take him out to lunch. <laughs> right? I don't want that. I don't want that. I mean, you can still take me out to lunch, but. <laughs> I don't want the, oh, poor Bailey. I want you to look at my story from then to now and realize that the value has been restored, that God is working in this place. Thank you. See, what the thing that I want to hit home today is that what the enemy meant for evil, God is making it for good because now there is a generation coming behind me that are going to know two things that they are loved and they have value. There are teenagers in this building that know that I love them and that I see their value. That's why I talk about teenagers. That's why God wakes me up every morning because I want you to know that you have value. That is why I'm here. That is why I'm passionate about it. God has placed a purpose in our lives. So when it comes to this place, no matter where you're at, broken, damaged, messed up, I'm there with you. I see you in your brokenness. I see you in Lodabar. More importantly, God sees you in this. God sees you. See, the thing that I love about scripture that we go to is that while Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, he didn't go searching for the king. The king came searching for him. So no matter where you're at today, the king is looking. The king wants to restore you, wants to give you value today. Man, if you guys can come today, we're going to start to close. But not only do I want us to see that we have value, right? I can, I can shout and scream all day in this building, right, about value, about everything, but I want us to put it into practice. I want us to get out, to walk in this value, to walk in purpose, so God can see, I'm sorry, so that way you can see the value that God has for you. I have three steps Right, we're walking with Mephibosheth here. Three steps. How did the value get restored to Mephibosheth? One, we needed to get out of Lodabar. In order to see our value, in order to be restored, we must get out of the place of nothing. 
We must get out of the place that has no growth. Pastor, I've been trying. I've been really trying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying, but I can't get out. What do I do? It's hard. But you know how Mephibosheth got out? He wasn't walking. He's paralyzed. He had people around him to carry him out a little bar. In order for us to get out a load of bar, sometimes we need help. So my question is, where are you connected? Are you connected in a small group? Are you coming to men's breakfast? Did you go to the if gathering of a place of nothingness? That's a question for you. If it is, and you don't have anybody, it's time to get plugged in. Well, Pastor, small group doesn't add up with my calendar. Make time. Because there are places for it. We don't just say it because it sounds good. We are meant to be in community. It's scripture. You need help out of Lodabar if that's you today. If you're being stuck, I need help. I didn't walk out on my own. I walked into a building filled with people that said, I love you. What can I do to help? I don't even need, I'm just here to love you. And eventually, I got connected into the youth group. I started serving a little bit. I got saved at convention. And we just kept climbing and climbing until we're out of low to bar. Step one, get out of nowhere. Get out of a place of no growth. Step number two, we need to come to the king damaged. There's never a perfect time. There is no, oh, I gotta work on this. See, I got some things I got to get straight before I come to church. It's at 10 a.m.? All right, all right. I'll see you next week, all right? Uh, there's some stuff I'm dealing with. There's some things that I just want to get in order before I ever step foot into the building, before I ever come to church. You know, I want to I get my act together. That was a tie. I want to get my act together. But see, if we're looking at Mephibosheth, the king calls, and he comes damaged. He's in front of royalty, broken, damaged. And he thought, it's all over. Surely I can't be in front of a king like this. And you know what the king says? You shall be restored. You shall be restored to what you deserve, to what I see you as. You get to be. That's my table right there. So step three, we need to sit at, we need to sit with the king at the king's table. This is most important. 
when we're at the king's table, we are in the presence of the king. And when we're in the presence, we need to press in. Why? Because I said. When we press in, we press into the table, into the presence of God. Why? Where was Mephibosheth damaged? So when we sit at the king's table and we press in to his presence, our damage is covered in the presence. No one knew Mephibosheth was damaged when he's at the king's table. So we need to press in because when the presence of the king is here, we're covered. Three things. Get out a load of bar. We need to come to the king damaged. And we need to sit at the king's table. We need to sit with the king at the king's table. Church, God wants to restore whatever damaged areas are in your life today. Well, maybe, like, maybe, like, no, I'm a walking testament of damaged, broken, no value in my mind. I had no idea who I was. But random one Sunday, because I thought a girl was cute, I showed up to 3902. That's literally how I got here. But, But one day, in the midst of that damage, in the midst of saying no one will love me, no one knows me, I walk into this room, and I just immediately feel God. I immediately feel community. I immediately feel loved in this building. So if you're here to tell me today, oh, I don't know if God can really fix my damage. If God, God doesn't want me. That is a lie from the enemy because I am a walking testimony to what God has done in this life. Because now, without actually talking to me, you probably would never have guessed where I've been because I know now where God's value is in my life I know my value I know that I have a plan and a purpose in this place that the real life congregation will know that they are loved they are important that people care about them that God cares about them that is why I'm here that is why I'm talking that's why I'm preaching this master class you have value today church you have value and if you walk out of this place Not knowing that, come see me. Let me look you in the face and tell I was there. I know what you're going through. I know what it feels like to not be loved. I know what it feels like to be broken. But it's it's time to come home. It's time to come home, okay? It's time to get out of Lodi Park. It's time to get in the presence before the king today. So if that's you, 
want to pray with you. If that's you today, be encouraged to know that there is a plan to restore you. There is a plan that God has in place for you. Church, I, I love you guys. I love you so much. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate taking time out of your day, right, in the, the snowiest snowstorm we've had this month. But taking time to be with the family today. You guys are the reason I'm here. Not just in the job sense, but in a testimony sense. You, real life church, is the reason I'm in this building today. The reason that I'm on this pulpit. The reason for my growth. And I can't thank you enough. So while I'm your pastor, while I'm your youth pastor, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to pay it. How's that sound? I'm going to let the next generation know their value. I'm going to let you know your value. Will you stand with me today, church? I'm going to pray across this room. Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful. Lord God, we're thankful for this church family. We're thankful for real life assembly. God, right now we're just, I just want to lift up, God, this congregation. God, let us see our value. Let us see what you see. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that if people are feeling broken, if people are feeling damaged, God, continue to shine the light in our damaged areas. God, let the plan of restoration begin. God, let us see the value that you have for us. God, let us feel it this week, in these moments, anytime we step foot into your building, or anytime we are just with other real life people. God, let us just feel the connection. God, I'm thankful for this family. I wouldn't be here without it. But God, right now all over this place, I just lift up these people. I just lift them up. God, start breaking down walls. Start softening hearts, Lord. Have your way in this place, God, because I know you're not done. So God, we go from this place with next steps. With next steps, God. Let it not just fall by the wayside this week, God. Ingrain it into our hearts, Lord, of the, of the next steps, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you in your precious and holy name. Real Life Church said, amen.